Tottenham don't have the mentality. Tottenham don't have the heart. Tottenham don't have the bottle. And this is what happens when Mourinho is frustrated, not only at his methods probably not working, but when he's frustrated with the clubs running overall. So do you want to know why Alcatraz is a snake? Because he relegated me from doing the introduction. Says, oh, he's going to do the introduction. Pulls out his phone and starts reading from his phone. So obviously that's something you guys won't be able to see. Listen, there, there, there's, there's going to be a camera soon. So there's going to be video footage of everything. Like right now, do you want me to tell them that you're naked in the, in the living room? <laughs> <laughs> like, my bro, my bro. Like you just got on boxer shorts. Like I feel very uncomfortable. This is an uncomfortable work environment. What's going on, people? Welcome back to the Top Bins pod, the top talking points, top analysis, and the top goals from the Premier League. Do you know what that is? That is Top Bins, my good sir. That is indeed. I'm your host, Spaney, joined by my co-host, Uncle Tass. Yo. Happy Easter, my brother. Happy Easter, man. He is risen, apparently. Well, what do you mean, Apparently. I mean, obviously, we've got some Christian listeners, some um, Muslim listeners, some other faith listeners. I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> caring for all the community. We're all inclusive out here. I heard that. But what are you telling me? No, I'm good, man. Obviously, it's nice to have a little bit of a break from work, a couple extra days off, and the sun's been out, so I've been able to soak up some vital vitamin D. How about yourself? Are you enjoying your stuff? Yeah, man. It's been calm. It's been calm. Got the barbecue out today. It's been all right, man. Can't really complain. Obviously, my team won, so that's an added bonus. Yeah, just been, as you said, the sun has been shining. It's been good, man. It's been good. Happy days, happy days. Indeed. So, before we get into the episode, what have you got to say to the people then? They should listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your podcast. We are available on all platforms. And make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter. That is at the Topman's Pod, T-H-E-T-O-P-B-I-N-S-P-O-D. And if you are an Apple Podcast listener, give us a five-star rating and make sure you leave us a review as it helps us shoot up the rankings and helps other people find us. So please, please, please make sure you do that. Help us grow the Topman's Pod community what he says so as usual guys bumper bumper episode we had eight games this week but before we get into the eight games we'll go through the top talking points then we will get into the eight games discuss the game week in which we saw harry kane become the league's top goal scorer and top assister newcastle making life very difficult for jose once again and thomas tuchel losing his first game in charge of chelsea to west barcelona Wait, I didn't even know we had West Barcelona in the league, but apparently we do because West Brom were on job, boy. Flipping hell. Obviously, following that, we'll go into Fantasy Football Predictions League, uh, Goal of the Week, listeners' questions, join the discussion and a bit of Spainy trivia. So, let's get straight into it, into the top talking points. Right, what top talking points have come out of this week of football, Uncle Tess? So, this week, top talking points, again, hate to do it, but we made a commitment, we have to do it. Davison Sanchez received some online Insta abuse, and Callum Robinson also received some online abuse, which has been reported to the police by the West Brom officials. And it, it's just not on. Like, I mean, we hammer home the point every weekend, pretty much, but we're not going to let people just stand by. We're going to call it out and show how much it is happening so that people just realise that, we are all one. Like, you can't just abuse footballers just because you support a different team. It's just stupid. But there have been calls. Um, 
an Arsenal chief going on the back of Henri's decision to leave social media said that it may be the way that football has to go and um, Arsenal may follow suit and also Tyron Mings came out in support and saying that football may just have to boycott social media as a last resort so again it's one of those where it shouldn't have to be done people shouldn't have to leave social media it's up to the social media platforms to do more to protect these people but if it comes down to it and everyone has to leave to show their solidarity then that's what has to be done and then that will hopefully prompt people to change um next talking point is um, a bit of a transfer saga so erling Haaland, who as you know is uh, one of global football's up and coming superstars. He, over the Easter break, has been going on a little tour, really. Um, so he visited Barcelona and Madrid, I think, early part of last week. Then he came to England, um, supposedly visiting the top teams. So whether that's City, Liverpool, um, Chelsea, United, I don't know if Arsenal are in there, but him, his agent, and his representative just going on a little tour. So it's interesting there. Um, just who knows with Aguero leaving. Could it be City's lined-up replacement? Obviously, they've got City and the um, Dortmund in the Champions League coming up soon, so that could be his audition tape for Pep Guardiola. So it's a watch this space on that. <laughs> yeah, I started to find that quite funny when I started to hear, oh, um, Mina Ryler and his dad are in Madrid now. Oh, they're in Barcelona. Oh, they're here. They're there for talks and all this type of stuff. So it was quite interesting. But um, it's also weird because Pep actually came out and said, didn't he, that it's impossible for them to sign a big... Um, a big uh, striker. Big name Simon, yeah. Yeah, big name striker this summer. And obviously the word impossible is the direct quote. So uh, interesting that Haaland is turning up because obviously his release clause, which doesn't kick in until 2022, if I'm not mistaken, is about 60, 60 to 65 million pounds. And so obviously this is before his release clause. So it's going to be more than that to to bring him to the club. So I don't know what's a big name. So what's a big money signing for Man City, boy? Because I would have thought that would be, but obviously, yeah. I think it's one of those where um, if you want to buy him this season, you're paying a bit more, paying like maybe 180, 90 million more. But it depends. Like you know, every big club is going to be able to afford the 60 the season after. So it's how much do you want him? How much do you need him now? And there are some clubs who will be in a position to sign players. Um, Obviously, my club in particular, they've just signed a new um, investment deal um, or sold a percentage of their stake, um, the FSG group, to allow them to offset the losses from the COVID restrictions, essentially, and also continue with the um, redevelopment plan of Anfield. So um, it's believed that we'll have enough money to purchase a marquee summer signing. So I'm pretty sure Madrid and Barcelona will all be, be able to fashion their way around and find the money. It's just about whether or not clubs want to do it. And you, you're not telling me, you, you're not seriously believing Pep when he's saying, oh, we can't do it. Like if City want to find the money, they will find the money to sign Haaland. <laughs> yeah. But boy, Haaland, boy, Haaland is a scary, scary striker. And it's mad that he's so young because boy, that guy's raw talent is undeniable. Best, best striker to ever come out of Leeds. 100%. Boy. <laughs> so next talking point is apparently there was a bust up at Chelsea training and Tony Rudiger got ejected after he had a bust up with Kepa. 
So obviously tempers must have been flaring high because this happened in Sunday's training after their 5-2 defeat. So probably just a recovery session. But I mean, probably not more to come on that because as you've touched on previously when I think it was Matt Ritchie and Steve Bruce had a bust up, it's like it happens up and down the country. But um, yeah, I mean, it got reported. Who was it? Sabayas and um, was it in Ketsu at the start of the season as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it probably just happens, but um, tempers obviously flaring because of a big loss, which they, sh- I mean, I mean, you say you shouldn't have lost, but you usually always end up on the bro, right yeah. side of the result. <laughs> like, bro, I mean, everyone uses the Barcelona, so there's no, there's no loss, there's no loss in that. There's no, there's no shame in that. Yeah, exactly. But um, <laughs> yeah, but you see, this is another example of a black man getting a worse sentence than the white counterpart in the exact same crime. Why is Rudy being sent home? I mean, we don't know what happened, so it's hard to judge in that situation. So, I mean, let, let's be objective. But so next top talking points, a couple of COVID um, contractions, I guess, um, with Bayi and Shionku both testing positive for COVID. So I guess what, it's crazy because it kind of feels like we're on the, our way out with vaccine rollouts, improving people, getting back to normality. But COVID's still a thing. And if you contract it, especially as a top-class footballer, there could be loads of ramifications. Obviously, we've seen loads of players get the effects of long-term COVID and struggle to regain their form afterwards. So it's a watch this space. I mean, Bailly just seems to have no luck with injuries. And this is another example. Shionku's been on the receiving end of bad luck with injuries recent times as well. So yeah, another bad example there. But yeah, we'll, 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 we'll just watch this space on those. Then one which is kind of sad because this could spell the end of his career for United anyway, but reports are that Martial could be out for the season. And it's a shame that he picked up an ankle injury on international duty, which it's been a while since he's been back in the France team. I think there was a whole period where Martial just wasn't getting called up and he sort of found a bit of form maybe that dipped a bit over the last couple of weeks, but he's back, from where? <laughs> back in the France squad and now he's picked up an injury which prevents him from maybe going to the Euros and maybe um, seeing the run for United, which is a shame because it's, it's kind of, United are kind of in a transition period where it's like, it's kind of clear that Oli doesn't trust Martial as the out-and-out striker. So... Where do you go from here? Do you move Rashford there and just say, Marshall, you either make it left wing or you don't? Do you move Greenwood there and say, boy, Marshall, it's time to move on. Cavani seems to be out of the door. Do we need another striker? It's it's a transition period. Like There's so many different ways you could go about it. And I'm sure you have many different thoughts on it. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame because Marshall clearly, clearly, clearly has the talent. Like, I mean, he announces self to the Premier League in the best possible way which I will never forget like as much as it hurts me that was against my team that was, the cold, that was the coldest way to, to enter the Premier League <laughs> after after they spent what 60 million and everyone's like who is this guy then he's like I'm that guy don't worry man <laughs> but um, yeah so I, I, I kind of always had a soft spot for him because it's like he gets the, the, the raw end of deals because he has a very, um, I don't care, relaxed demeanor, which I see a lot in myself where I'm just like, I don't really care. So I, I kind of relate to him a little bit. So yeah, it, it, it's a bit sad, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe it's not the end of his United career. I mean, in the last, if it was. 
Then the last bit of news, um, which will come on in a bit more detail in the game, is Jose Mourinho is going to Jose Mourinho. We're seeing the tail end of the Jose Tottenham reign because when he starts coming for the players, you know the end is nigh. And <laughs> I mean, that that's all we'll say on that for now and then we'll touch on a little bit when we come to the game week. Say no more. Well, thank you very much. As always, Uncle Tess, guys, we will always make sure we keep on top of the top talking players. As always, if you've got comments and you want to let us know your thoughts on any of these things, then just drop a comment on the Instagram, on the Twitter, wherever. Let us know so we can we can share some of your thoughts and your opinions as well. Anything that happens in, in during the week. But without much further ado, as Uncle Tess said, let's get into the games. Right, so into the game week. Four games on Saturday, four games today. Let's dive straight into it, starting with the first game of the game week. That one where we discovered that West Brom can be Barcelona when they want to be. Chelsea 2, West Brom 5. Now, let's not take anything away from West Brom, but the game obviously did turn around at the point of the red card when Thiago Silva got sent off in the, in the stroke of half an hour in the first half. Obviously, Pulisic should pull them 1-0 up. Marcus Alonso with a decent strike from a free kick hitting the post and Pulisic looking most alive to get the rebound tapped in. But Thiago Silva got sent off uh, two minutes later for a second bookable offence. Both of them really were yellow cards. Obviously, the second one probably... Harsh in the sense that he was clearly just trying to block a block a, a, an attempt at goal, and obviously just launched himself a bit too forward, and he kind of scissored the um, attacker. But nonetheless, gets sent off, and then at that point is when West Brom turned up. Wow, Callum Robinson, boy, that guy, <laughs> that guy loves Chelsea. It's ridiculous. I think the next game I'm going to have to, if West Brom stay up, next game I'm going to absolutely have to put money on Callum Robinson scoring against Chelsea because this is getting absolutely ridiculous. For those that don't know, Callum Robinson has scored five Premier League goals in his career and they have all come against Chelsea. Absolute madness. And Mateus Pereira on job. Dianne, Dianne, Diana, where his name is, on job as well. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think it, it, it's an interesting one because we, we've all praised Allardyce. Obviously, he's had a long record in the Premier League, never been relegated, all that good stuff. And I think it's one of those where the international break came at the perfect time because, as we've been saying over the past couple of weeks, they've been doing some good stuff. It's just their finishing that's let them down. And yes, the red card did definitely play a part in this game. Having an extra time on the training ground obviously helped Allardyce in how he wanted to set up to play Chelsea and added to that fact that Chelsea probably started to believe their own hype a bit because Tuchel has an unbeaten start and it's great. But in some of the games, they have sort of slid by. And I think this is one of those where everything came to a head and West Brom, it was their time. And after the red card, they were absolutely sensational. As you say, Matis Pereira with his double in the first half to take them with into with a lead into the, the first half. Not necessarily, I'd say they deserved the lead, but the second half, they 100% deserved to win that and win the game overall. They were absolutely sensational. Callum Robinson's goal, first goal anyway, class. Second goal, class. It was just a great, great performance from a West Brom team who deserved their bit of luck. 
think the key for them going forward would be how they then use this game as a platform to build and put a couple of wins together, put a couple of points together, because it's all well and good beating Chelsea away, but how do you then beat your closest rivals? How do you then win the games at home? But interesting fact that Allardyce is the first manager to win away at Stamford Bridge with three different clubs. So he's now done it with Bolton, Crystal Palace and West Brom. So, you know, Allardyce is a top, top, top Premier League manager. And I think when it's all said and done, he'll be one of the greats of all time. You, you, have, you have to give it to him. But yeah, just great, great win for West Bromwich Albion. They showed a lot there and it all bodes well. And for Chelsea, obviously work to do, but it, it sort of will bring them back down to earth. Like now we have to try hard and we've got a, a, a bit of a gimme think on Wednesday against Porto everyone's expecting them to win and this is probably good that this loss came against West Brom rather than against Porto so they'll probably reinvigorate themselves and get their heads right and beat Porto so not too much to worry about for Tuchel they they still probably in the driving seat for the top four race but it's now a lot closer and the race is definitely heating up what about the uh battle at the other end of the table then West Brom do you think this is them do you think it's possible, or is is the last is it a foregone conclusion in the the last places between Newcastle and Fulham? I need to see the next game from West Brom. If they put another win together, then they're back in the race. But to be honest, they they're just just a step behind, and they need to win out, which is a problem. Like they're seven points from safety. I need to see them get to four points from safety first to say, you know what? Okay, now nah, they can do it. Like they can they can draw four games and escape here but nah it's just it seems like a bridge too far for me yeah nah fair enough alright well I mean in this on this occasion they I mean if they perform like this for the remaining games then there is absolutely no worries you'd think but we will have to see but hey Stamford Bridge Chelsea 2 West Brom 5 Right, now on to the next fixture, Leeds United versus Sheffield United. Now, interesting one because, I mean, Leeds United were peppering Aaron Ramsdale's goal boy, number of chance after chance after chance. Only managed to get the two goals. Obviously, they won the game, took the three points anyway, uh, winning 2-1. But it just goes to show that Sheffield United always, it was a feature of Sheffield United this season and even last season where their games are always just... It is, there's always just one goal in it, either one way or the other. Last season, it was usually in their favour. This season, it's been against them. I'd love to see the stats on how many games they've played this season that they've lost by one goal, but it's been absolutely ridiculous. I'm sure it's in the 20s by now in terms of games that they've lost by one goal. But, hey, I mean, Rafinha showing his quality again, getting an assist with Jack Harrison with the goal. But, I mean, from your perspective, what did you see that you liked and did it like from both sides? I think everything I liked about the game was expected. Like you saw some good patterns of play from Leeds. You saw some good football from Leeds and you saw some hard work and grit and determination from Sheffield United. I think pretty much what you just alluded to, Sheffield United haven't been as bad as the table maybe represents. They've just been a bit unlucky this season and it's just not necessarily one of those freak seasons but it it can happen where just things aren't going your way they probably outperformed expectations last season and this season they've severely underperformed expectations and which is why they found themselves 14 points off safety with about eight games to go so I mean 
although relegation isn't confirmed, it's only another three games until that's pretty much a mathematical foregone conclusion, which is a shame. But what they're doing is going down fighting. Like they're, they're showing heart, they're showing grit and determination. And they could have snatched the draw from the game yesterday. Obviously, Leeds did what they needed to do, got the two goals, um, had another, like, had hatfuls of chances that they could have converted, dominated the play. But for them, I mean, it, it's job done, but I don't think Bielsa would be too happy. Like he will want to see more from his team in terms of Sheffield United, our bottom of the table, a top, top team, like a um, Chelsea, like a City, like Leicester, them sort of teams. They're not going to play about with Sheffield United. They're going to dispatch them 3-0, 4-0, get rid, job done. Like we need to reach that level. We need to ascend to that level. But the one good thing from Leeds is that they are sitting now in 10th place, level on points of Arsenal. And if you, if you use it as a barometer, like um, they're, they're not doing a bad job at all. And the project, Bielsa, the Messiah football's got them on, is working well. So yeah, a, a good day at the office for, for Leeds in terms of the result. Maybe just need a bit more clinicalness. And that's probably been the only, only drawback from them this season that times they've been lacking the clinical edge but it's looking rosy right now for Leeds nice 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 well thank you for that so yeah Leeds United 2 Sheffield United 1 at Ellen Road the Messiah of football does it again right now Leicester United Man City remember the uh, reverse fixture at the Etihad I believe it was um the 5-2, where there were some brilliant goals from Leicester and Leicester absolutely just destroyed Man City. Man City came back and said, it's redemption day. Sorry, but we're taking the three points this time. I mean, Leicester didn't really turn up to this game from what I saw. It was all Man City. Um, I don't even think Leicester had a single shot on target in the first half. Uh, Jamie Vardy wasn't really anywhere to be found. Obviously, there was a, there were he, they, he had a goal disallowed and Fernandinho also had a goal disallowed both. Rightly so, from because uh, there was originally offside in the build-up to the play and the build-up to the goal. But I mean, it, it was it was just one of those games that we've been seeing recently in terms of from Man City. It doesn't matter who your position is, they can make you look like a, a a Sunday League team, and that's exactly what they did here. Some of the play was just ridiculous. KDB with some ridiculous intricate passing, especially for the second goal, the free ball that he played into Gabriel Jesus before he squared that to. Sterling, who I thought had actually fumbled the chance because he seems to like to do this thing where he just takes a million touches before he actually does something with it. So I thought he had squandered the chance, but he was able to recover himself and play it back across to Jesus to get that second goal. But um, obviously this was after Benjamin Mendy opened the scoring. But I mean, from my perspective, just City just doing what City do. It doesn't matter who the... It literally does not matter who the opposition is. If you're playing against Man City, you're going to be made to look like a, a park side. And obviously, Leicester more so will try to play on the counter, especially against a team like City, but it just wasn't working for them. It just absolutely wasn't working for them. We've seen City don't concede at the moment. They didn't really give away too many chances. They've, they've just got a complete squad through and through. So it was always going to be a hard day in the office for Leicester and it was proven so. But did you take anything else away from that game? No, I think um, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Like um, for Leicester City, it was more a case of Rogers obviously worked on some things 
over the international break with the players that were available and had a game plan of how he wanted to attack City, very similar to how they did them at the Etihad, where they wanted to be defensively so they didn't hit them on the counter. But today was just one of those days where it just didn't work. So in the reverse fixture, it worked to perfection, even though at times it looked like it might not. Today, it looked like it might frustrate City for a long while, but Leicester didn't really carry the attacking threat and impetus that we saw in the reverse fixture. So it was only ever going to go one way. It was just about when, not if, for City. And eventually they found the breakthrough through Benjamin Mendy, the forgotten man with a cool, cool finish on his weaker side, apparently. And you can see how much the goal meant to not only him, but all the other players. Because Mendy's the ultimate locker room guy. Like he's a guy you like to have around. He brings the fun. He brings the excitement to the change room so you know he's a good part of the squad and they're all happy to see him playing football again and scoring a goal and yeah like you said get Jesus got the second goal and I mean it was, a, it was a pretty much easy game for Man City in which they dominated so yeah I think they're they're 14 points clear at the top of the table at the moment so you'd expect them to win the next three games and confirm the title, third title in four seasons. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. It's just about when now. And it's about looking forward because, as I've alluded to before, that probably the best team to play lockdown football is Man City. The way they play, it just lends themselves towards lockdown football where they can just throw, it's like a training ground exercise. And you know how Pep, overtrains and overcoaches players so it's just like the perfect environment for them so we need fan, fans back asap asap and apparently um the carabao cup has been approved as a test event so we should see fans in the tottenham spurs carabao cup final so that'll be an interesting one to see how well they can perform with a bit of fans because as we know what was it when we had two thousand fans when when it was that, that dumb rule where it's 2,000 fans in certain cities, we saw that they could create atmosphere. So I think 8,000 fans at Wembley hopefully brings enough atmosphere to make it an interesting game because, yeah, the quadruple is definitely on, but ain't nobody trying to see that. Ain't nobody trying to see that at all. <laughs> uh, you know, you said to- the Tottenham Spurs semi-final. Oh, is it? Well, I mean, it's the <laughs> Tottenham Hotspurs City final. <laughs> but hey uh, yeah redemption for Man City and Guardiola and yeah just another three points on the way to them collecting the title congratulations to Man City and to Pep Guardiola right talk to me talk to me you happy well I mean three pointers three goals clean sheet you must be happy but are you happy with uh, with your boys performance on Saturday night. Yeah, it was a complete performance from us. Like, we made Arsenal look pedestrian. Like, I'm not going to put too much on Arsenal looking poor. And I'm going to say more, it's we made them look poor. Um, Yes, they looked pedestrian at times against West Ham in their previous game. But I think we... We, we didn't allow them any time to play and any time to find themselves. And I think Arteta, for his part, got the team sheet slightly wrong. Obviously, they're, they're struggling with a bit of injury, some of their best players, which when you think about it, Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe being some of your better players, you're already in the mud because as, as, as good as they are as youngsters, when you've got the likes of players like uh, Aubameyang, Lacazette, big boys who have 
got big reputations, they should be looked at as your best players. But they're missing some of their spark plugs in Saka and Emerson Mathrow. So they, they look toothless and they look devoid of ideas. Alisson, sporting his brand new moustache, had nothing to do pretty much. I think he had one save to make from a Suarez shot. Um, but yeah, apart from that, there was not much for him to do. And the only surprise really is that it took us so long to find the opening goal. Like, But it, it didn't really feel at any point as though we wouldn't find it. Like, I just felt like, okay, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Like, we're just bubbling, we're just bubbling. And Klopp made an inspired substitution, similar to when we made the sub against Barcelona. I think it was the exact same sub, Robertson for Gini Wijnaldum. This is, again, Robertson for Gini Wijnaldum. Milner went to left back. Um, sorry, this is, this is again, um, Robertson for Jota. Um, Gini Wijnaldum went to left back, which allowed Jota to just come on and do the damn thing. Like... I, I I don't know what to say about the guy. Like when we signed him out, I, I was like, okay, I don't understand it, but Liverpool have proven to me time and time again, anyone they sign is a hit. So I'm just going to take it for what it is. And the man who was in red hot form for Portugal international duty came back and said, yeah, I'm on smoke still. i got more smoke for Arsenal. Well, you thought that when I come here with my Wolves team and sometimes you man beat us, um, that it's all good. No, I've got my Liverpool team, so i got time for y'all today. i got time for y'all today. If you don't know, that's a little throwback to that meme um, I was making around a couple of years ago. But yeah, just over two goals. Mohamed Salah doing what Mohamed Salah does, just scores in big games. But Gabriel, I don't know what he was playing at. Gabriel had a... Howl in the second half. Like, obviously, the first goal wasn't really much he could do about that. I mean, it was just an excellent ball from Trent, who was excellent <laughs> and proved to Southgate that, yo, big man, don't chat shit. Put me on the plane. Like, there's no way I can't be on that plane. Um, but after that, what Gabriel, I don't know what he was doing in his tackle against Salah, but balls that up. Salah, excellent finish. Leno could have done better again, getting megged. Um, but the second one, it was just Gabriel, just lackadaisical, poor pass, which allowed Liverpool to intercept the ball, break again. Salah played in the ball. Mane tried to control it, um, couldn't really control it. All he did was effectively lay it off for Jota, who just smacked it home and made it 3-0. And it's it's the perfect away performance, like 3-0 against Arsenal at the Emirates. It's lovely because I know so many Arsenal fans that this one feels probably the sweetest, like... Yeah, it definitely feels sweet. And um, <laughs> it's funny, I saw a stat that Thiago Silva, or sorry, not Thiago Silva, but Thiago Alcantara's last four games against Arsenal have been, uh, or three or four games have been 5-1, 5-1, 5-1, and now 3-0. So he just loves playing Arsenal. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Well, congratulations on that one indeed. <laughs> Right now, on to Sunday's games, starting off with Southampton Burnley. Now, this one had a very fiery start. Well, fiery in a sense of obviously going in at half time 2 2, thinking, right, this, this could be an interesting one. Um, Burnley obviously going 2 0 up. Chris Woods dispatched the penalty quite coolly, going straight down the middle, lacing it straight down the middle. Well, I mean, it was a penalty. I don't know if you have any other thoughts, but obviously you can let me know in a second. And obviously, Vigil with a brilliant strike um, to make it 2-0. But then Southampton came back 2-2, boy. Danny Ings with the assist for Stuart Armstrong and then getting a very good goal himself. 
uh, to equalise. And then Nathan Redmond, obviously, with a fantastic, fantastic volley. Overall, obviously, Southampton dominate the game more so. A number of attempts on goal. Um, so, obviously, to get the three goals, yeah, not too bad. But, obviously, conceding the two, you're not going to be too too happy about. But, I mean, overall, probably what you'd expect from the game, really. Obviously, Southampton haven't looked great in recent weeks. But, obviously, you know they've got star power in there. You know they've got good players. You know you've got the likes of James Ward-Prowse, obviously, who at the crossbar. You've got, obviously, Danny Ings, you've got a goal and assist today. You've got players like uh, Fia Walcott, Nathan Redmond, very good wide players. Um so you're expecting them to get the to get the goals and to get the uh, to get the three points, especially against the Burnley side, who can be a nuisance at times. But realistically, I mean, they are that kind of, or they have been that kind of mid-dish to kind of like bottom half table teams for a reason. Do you get what I mean? And these are the teams that Southampton, if they want to be a top half team, need to be beaten. Um, but do you have any other takes from that one? Yeah, I think it was, it was a very very finally poised game. I think they both came into the game on 33 points and for Burnley, that's them um, after their sort of poor start to the season in a good place now. About what, seven points clear of the drop zone. Um, but for Southampton, they've been on a slow decline after a bright start. So it's almost like the game was reflective of Hassan Howe's managerial career with Southampton where sometimes you see the absolute worst from them. Like, I mean, I don't think they deserve to be 2-0 down, but somehow they were 2-0 down. Like the penalty, I agree with you, it was a foul. So it was a penalty. But what I feel is though, that Walker's Peters was fouled before he then fouled um, Eric Peters, which is why I think the penalty was harsh because from what I saw, it looked like he was pulled back and pushed to the ground and then decided to flick out a leg to try and kick the ball away, but obviously impeded Peters. So it was a bit unlucky there, but obviously Wood dispatched a penalty, then a perfect route one goal for Matty Vidra um, put them 2-0 up. And from there, you're just thinking, how the hell do Southampton come back from there? But fair play to them. They kept plugging away, which is reminiscent of what Hassan Howell likes his sides to do. They continue playing the right way. They ended up um, dominating play overall because after the second goal, Burnley didn't really have a sniff after that. And um, after Armstrong's goal, Ings, quality, quality individual goal, and um, Redmond's winner. It's actually funny because um, I think a few passages of play before that, Walcott, who eventually found Redmond for the winner, could have found Redmond with the easy squared ball and he went for a left foot shot. And I'm thinking in my head, like, what are you doing? Like, you need to win this game. Just pass it off. And then after that, it's sort of, he 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 had it in his mind, you know what? Okay, fuck it. This time I'm going to clip the ball in. And he says, there you go, Redmond. There's the ball you wanted. And then Redmond says, okay, cool. Smashes it home. <laughs> and then you can see Walcott just celebrate <laughs> and say, fair play, fair play. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was a good win for Southampton now, which takes them, what, I think, 10 points clear of the drop zone. So, I mean, they're completely fine. I think had they lost this game, although they probably would have still been saved, you're then a lot, lot closer to the relegation zone than you'd like to be. So it's a good get-right game win for them. But um, yeah, I think all they need to do is just chalk the season up to an L overall and move on to next season. Because there are talks that Ings might be on the move Apparently City might be favourites to sign him next season. So we need to watch this space. But if they do go, let or if he does go rather, if they get 
30, maybe 20, 30, 40 million for him, they can retool. Because they've got a, a couple of bright youngsters I've seen this season that I like from them. So they just need to keep the faith with Hassan Ha and just buy into his methods completely. Right, then on to Newcastle, Tottenham at St. James's Park. Boy, oh boy, Newcastle do you know how to spoil Jose Mourinho's day. Obviously, the equaliser this week didn't come quite as late as last time, but... I mean, it was a good, it was a good game, and Newcastle would probably, arguably, think they deserve more out of the game because they had a number of chances, and there was a lot of sloppy play from Spurs throughout the whole game, which led to Joe Linton getting his, <laughs> getting a very rare goal for him, considering he's there. Well, obviously, when Callum Wilson is out, he's there, he's their talisman. But I mean, overall, it, it wasn't it wasn't a great it wasn't a great display from from Spurs, and they'll be they'll be disappointed to get the. Uh, to only come out with one point. I mean, going into the game, you would think Spurs should have should have gone away with this one. But as I say, obviously Newcastle made it difficult and actually probably deserved more from the game. Uh, obviously, if it wasn't for Harry Kane coming up with the two goals, it could have been a different story. But what you, what's your take on the game and and Newcastle and Spurs in this one? Yeah, I think like you say, it or this is again reminiscent of a couple of the other games you mentioned where. The extra time on the training ground after the international break has been really, really helpful for the relegated teams where they've been able to work on a few things and really get prepared for their next fixture. And it seems as though Newcastle were really, really up for this game. Obviously, they would have been buoyed by seeing West Brom dispatch of Chelsea pretty much handily the day before. So they would have known they needed a reaction and they, they got it. I mean, they they did, like you say, have probably the better of play in terms of chances. Obviously, Tottenham, as you'd expect, dominated the ball. But for Newcastle, they probably feel aggrieved to not take three points from the game. Like, I did think it would be another Jose um, special where Tottenham would win by the odd goal, whether it's 1-0 or 2-1 or whatever. And it looked, for the most part, that the game would go that way because... Again, without the talisman and Wilson, Newcastle just look a bit toothless up done. I did, I do, I do like White Girl. Um, I think he's a good striker, probably just half and half between Championship and Premier League level. Because in the Championship he scored so far, in Premier League he just seems to be lacking a bit of luck. Um, but yeah, he he was unlucky not to get on the score sheet in yesterday. Um, yeah, um, oh, earlier today as well, and. Um, it, yeah, for, for, for Tottenham, it's a weird one because that win would have put them in the top four. So the top four race for them is definitely on. Um, but it almost seems as though they're focused on the League Cup. Like I think Mourinho himself really, really wants the League Cup just to say he's brought a trophy to Tottenham and they haven't won a trophy for however many years. But realistically, they should be aiming at trying to get back into the Champions League. That's where the money is. That's where they can keep their best players like Kane. Maybe Bell says, you know what, fuck it, I'll, I'll, I'll actually come to um, Spurs now if Madrid don't want me. But it, it kind of seems like that there's a misalignment of what the players and what the manager actually is chasing here. But they, even though that being said, they should have got the, the, the result confirmed today. Obviously in the reverse fixture, they were unlucky with um, the late equaliser. I don't think that should have been, it was a penalty given against Dyad, which again, this is when the handball rules were a bit all over the place. But um, in this game, they can have no complaints that Newcastle 
thoroughly deserved to take at least a point from the game. And it was an Arsenal lad, um, Joe Willock, the lonely, who got the goal. And he said, obviously, it was a lot sweeter because it prevented Spurs going into top four, it being an Arsenal lad himself. So that was nice for him. But yeah, I think Tottenham just need to find their way. And obviously, as we alluded to in the top talking points, Jose Mourinho pretty much threw his team under the bus because um, when asked about what's wrong, like um, this is this used to be your bread and butter, like closing out games, holding on to tight um, winning margins. So what's going wrong? And he said, it's the same coach, just different players. But effectively saying Tottenham don't have the mentality, <laughs> Tottenham don't have the heart, Tottenham don't have the bottle. And this is what happens when Mourinho is frustrated, not only at his methods probably not working, but when he's frustrated with the clubs running overall, because you can kind of see that even in the game that they lost to... Um, what was it? I can't remember their name. Did um, in the Europa League, they shouldn't really have lost that game, and that that loss wasn't really on Mourinho. Like Mourinho's done what he needs to do. Like they won the home leg. Like they they've got big players on the pitch. See out the game. Like how are you losing that game? Like I don't put that loss on Mourinho, but he has to take the brunt of it because he's the manager. This one yeah. again, he the team have done what they need to do. They they've got to the winning position, but they just lack the bottle and Spurs are bottle jobs like they finished third in a two horse title race um, a couple <laughs> of seasons ago with Leicester and it, it's just even in the Champions League final where I mean they, they 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 say they were unlucky to not beat Liverpool I mean they just bottled it like they just don't have the winning mentality to get over the line and when you look at their squad all of their players are there anyone as talented as they are is there anyone there that you say you know what they are clutch. They have that clutch gene. They are 100% a killer. Like Harry Kane's the only one you could say maybe falls into that category. And sometimes he just doesn't have enough. Like, and I think that's more um, physically or injuries letting him down. Like I think in the Champions League final, which I alluded to, he was coming back from injury and they shoehorned him in because he's their best player, leaving out the guy who got him to the final on the bench. But um, yeah, I just I just don't think they have the killer mentality. And it's just a misalignment with Marino because he has that flipping killer mentality in him and he just wants that for his Tottenham players. And yeah, it, it's tough times, but I think a League Cup win papers over all the cracks, but they have to go against a juggernaut in Pep Guardiola to do to get that over the line. So be interesting to see what happens. Well, thank you for that. That was uh, very insightful. But yeah, you are very right in your assessment there. It, it will be interesting when we get a uh, Spurs fan on for the, uh, for the Spurs deep dive because yeah, it's been a very interesting season for them from top of the top of the league at one point to where they are now not being able to get three points in either game against Newcastle and whatnot. Boy, we'll, uh, I'm looking forward to a Spurs deep dive at some point. So, on to Aston Villa-Fulham. Obviously, Fulham probably feeling a little hard done by, as obviously a win in this game would have taken them out of the relegation zone officially, given Newcastle drop points earlier on in the day against Spurs, as we've literally just discussed. And it looks at one point like that could be the case. Obviously, opening goal didn't come until the 61st minute of the game through Alexandra Mitrovic after a bit of loose play at the back from Aston Villa, more so um, between Conser and uh, Tyrone Mings, more so Tyrone Mings, who... Tried to play a soft back pass, well, not back pass, but sideways pass to 
connoisseur, but that was cut out by Alexander Mitrovic, who was then able to take it forward round Martinez and slot it home for the opener. So you're thinking, okay, cool, we feel him could hold on to this or even get another one. Then, as I said, they'll be able to take themselves out of the relegation zone because it was a relatively even fought, evenly fought contest. But Aston Villa then decided, you know what, nah, let's uh, let's 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 just let's play serious now and, and get some goals in this game. And boy, did they do just that! So, talk me through Aston Villa's final what fifteen minutes? Yeah, what I happened? What's Fulham to, to, to for this one to get slipped away from Fulham? Uh, super sub, uh, Trezeguet. Um, Trezeguet coming on for El Ghazi and that really changed the game. I think Aston Villa probably, I, I mean, they, they believe in their source and didn't feel like they should be losing to Fulham. And it's like that clicked them into gear. And obviously Tyron Mings, um, he made the error or the key error and he effectively made up for it by providing the cross for the Trezeguet equaliser, which was an excellent finish into the bottom corner past um, Areola. But um, yeah, that, that was pretty much it. The, the, the sub really changed the game. Like Trezeguet came on, scored twice. And obviously Ollie Watkins running up the score, getting a third goal in the match that's already pretty much won. But it was literally Fulham... The, the wind being knocked out of their cells in the last 15 minutes and um, it's almost like they got the goal and it was such a huge relief like yes we, we like yes we got a bit of luck here but we've got the goal and they started thinking about after this win we're going to be out of the relegation zone then we're going to move on to the next game and they forgot to finish the job at hand Aston Villa being the better more more street wise team just got the got got the job done and um, got the three points over the line, which will be vital for them as they chase a European spot. But yeah, it, 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 was, it was just naivety from Fulham, to be honest. They started thinking past the game at hand and that's where it all went wrong. And again, I think Tossin made a mistake in the Leeds game, which is the last game before international break. And he made another key, key mistake in this game, um, which sort of put the game to bed. So... Yeah, not 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 nice to see, but um, Scott Parker will have time um, this week to work with his Fulham team. They've got another, I believe, semi-winnable game for them. They've got Wolves at home, so depending on how they start that game, they could potentially win it. But yeah, um, it's tough times for Fulham at the moment because this is a game probably they didn't they didn't think they would win but they might have been able to take a point from. So to, to go away from not, with nothing, especially from a winning position in the second half, is going to be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, agreed. Um, I still think Fulham are safe. I think Newcastle are the one that will will go down, obviously. Yeah, as I said earlier, this result would have been the one that put them in that position uh, on goal difference, if, if anything. But yeah, I mean... Well, yeah, this, this end of the season is going to shape up quite nicely, but it was it'll be interesting to see what happens. Right, you know what? I'm not going to lie. Obviously, at the start, on the top of the episode, I said, oh, yeah, I'm happy my team won. But look, I'm going to keep this one brief because, again, it's like we love to make life hard for ourselves, man. Cool, we won 2-1, but that was only after going one deal down through our own ex-boy putting Brighton... 1-0 up. Now, Lindelof, I don't know what going on there. Like, obviously, okay, cool. I only discovered after the game that Bailly had COVID. So, obviously, beginning, I'm like, okay, why is Bailly not playing again? Not that that's even much of a question because we know 
that Solskjaer just loves off Maguire and Lindelof for some reason. So obviously, yeah, cool. After the game, it comes up where he had COVID, but it then makes you like Lindelof goes and does stuff that you're like, just play by just play by I don't understand because again, Ball came in and bite, and Lindelof just doesn't deal with it or whatever. Dean Henderson gets the first save off, but then obviously the rebound, Danny Welbeck was more alert to it and then um, heads it home to put them 1-0 up. Um, so we go 1-0 down at half time, but then, yeah, cool. Second half, Rashford gets a pretty decent finish from a pretty good um, Bruno Fernandes assist and then Mason Greenwood temporarily silenced his, his criticizers or his critics um, to, to get the winner from a header from a, an interesting Paul Pogba. It, I mean, it'll go down as an assist. He, he tried to volley it, kind of miss, miss hit it, but puts it into the path of uh, a queuing up Mason Greenwood and um, Donny van der Beek to put, to put, to, to put us 2-1 up, should I say. So, I mean, overall, yeah, and I mean, again, I'm happy with the listen. I'm happy with the three points. Obviously, cool after after the first game, the reverse fixture. Where, I mean, for all intents and purposes, that was two two as opposed to, as opposed to three two. Obviously, given the uh, the post full time penalty, um, and in that game where Brighton absolutely dominated that game uh, and should have gone home with the three points, really. I guess I'm not going to be angry taking the three points from this one because, look, it's football. You have to win them clean. You have to win them dirty. Either way, you have to take home the three points. And we just seem to be doing that at the moment. We seem to be, bar a couple blips and bar a couple a couple draws or a few draws, should I say, because um, I know you like to be a bit, you like to be the, uh, the pedantic police and you like to be strict with the use of the word couple. But bar that, I mean, we, we're, we're putting the results. So look, that's all you can ask for. Um, I mean... I think it's a foregone conclusion that we're finishing in the top four, which is fine. I would love for it to be second. Obviously, we managed to pull a bit of a breathing space between us and Leicester now, because obviously Leicester um, lost to City this weekend. And so there's now a bit of a gap, because for the mo- for the past few weeks, it's been a case of having to catch back up in the sense of they'll play first, they'll win, get the three points, go on top of us, and then we'll then have to... Then they'll ask us the question, but then somehow we've been able to 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 respond with an equal result, uh, or if not a better result. Um, so yeah, I mean it's just a case of for me, I've just kind of gone back to just just a case of just seeing the rest of the season out, man. Um, making sure we finish second, and hopefully come with a trophy, whether it's the Europa League or whatnot. Hopefully, um, hopefully come with a trophy. Oh well, I mean Europa League's all we can fight for now in it so yeah I mean that's 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 as good as it's gonna get second place in Europa League and Europa League win if that doesn't happen I'll be disappointed but we'll see yeah I mean to be honest the only thing I haven't heard from you in your soliloquy there is the fact that Brighton should have had a penalty like I don't know how VAR have looked at that and just decided not to give a penalty especially after they decided in the reverse fixture to give a post full-time penalty to United. It's it's like what literally VAR hate Brighton against United. Like, I don't know what else you can say because it's absolutely criminal that Maguire gets away with it again and again and again. Like, yeah, that guy's a joke. But yeah, I mean, no arguments for anything else you said. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. And that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up the game week. Well, it doesn't wrap up the game week because, again, there are two games tomorrow, um, which are 
Everton, Crystal Palace and Wolves, West Ham United. So two decent games, actually. Two decent games. So looking forward to those ones. We'll see how those pan out. Um, But yeah, we'll, we'll swiftly move on to the rest of the show. Right. Goal of the week. Talk to me. For me, I can't look anywhere else but Kyle Robinson, man. That first goal was... And to do it against a team that he just loves to play against, boy. So that's where my goal of the week is going. Where's yours game? Yeah, pretty much the same. But special shout out to Nathan Redman. I think that was a very good goal as well. But Callum Robinson clearing away the best goal this weekend. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, fantasy football, talk to me. You know what? I completely forgot to change my team. I'll be very, very honest with you. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm on 40 points at the moment um, with another point to come off the bench and two players to play. So I got really lucky and I had Harry Kane as captain. So that's pulled me out of the water because everything else is looking spooky. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> Uh, so I've got 42 points. I'm ever so slightly annoyed because I actually, this is where it's like the fine balance between making sure you remember to do your team the hour and a half before the first kickoff or just doing it in the week because I, d- I ended up doing my team, I think, on Friday night and it told me Reguillon, Ings and Son were all not going to be playing this weekend. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just have to take them all out. So I took them all out. Reagan and Son, I don't care about. They got one point each, so that's fine. But Danny Ings with a goal and assist is sitting on my bench with 11 points, which is very, very jarring. So I've got Soyuncu, who obviously didn't play because he's got COVID. But then annoyingly, he's going to be swapped for Reguillon because Reguillon's my first uh, first substitute. So I'm hoping Luca Dean doesn't play tonight. So that would mean Ings comes in. Um, or if he does play, he needs to do a mad thing like get two assists and a goal or something just to just to make me feel a little bit better because I'm actually pissed off. But I've got Luca Dean and, and Jesse Lingard uh, yet to play. So still something in it. I'm just annoyed about this Daddy Ing situation, man. Well, I'm annoyed about all of them because they all ended up playing. But obviously, Reguilon didn't really do much in the end. And obviously, Son came on in the second half and didn't really do much. So not too annoyed about that. But um, I've got Kane and Watkins up top, obviously, three goals between them two so can't really complain too much um so yeah man so what you're saying is you set your team and i'm still beating you matting you said you got 40 points so i actually just refreshed it i got 46 what how what yeah okay cool i just refreshed mine i've got 73 actually mad no i'm looking at it, it says 42 <laughs> shit then remember i'm chopping at a citron uh, anyway, you shall move on. Right, right, right. So, Predictions League. Um, not sure how many points I got. But... You got four, I got five. So, I'm cutting into the lead. Don't worry, you don't need to look at it. I've already done it. <laughs> I mean, I'll take your word for it for now. Obviously, when I end up doing the uh, visuals, We'll see if that's correct, but I'll just end up taking away for it now. But yeah, you're slowly but surely closing this gap. I'm not sure with seven games remaining that, or seven game weeks remaining, should I say that it's enough, but we shall see. I mean, it's, it's going to be a close close affair come the end of the season. I'm liking it. You're finally uh, finally doing stuff. So we'll see what happens. But um, 
as always, you're going to have another chance to, to close that gap. So let's go into game week 31's fixtures. Um, let me pull them up. Game week 31. All right, cool. So what's that? A full game week again. So starting from the Friday, finishing on the Monday. So Friday the 9th of April, Fulham versus Wolves. I've gone 1-1. I'm going to go 1-0 Fulham. Man City leads. I'm going to go 3-1 City. Uh, 2-1 City. Liverpool, Aston Villa. I'm going to go 8-2 Aston Villa. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm going to go... I'm actually going to go 2-1 Liverpool. You know it was only 7-2, not 8-2. Oh, oh okay. cool. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> um, 2-0 Liverpool. Forgive me for having eight two in my uh, in my head. Obviously, you know, some of us out here go eight, go for eight. But we'll, we'll, we'll move on. What did you say? Two 0 Liverpool. Yeah, Let's say no more. Crystal Palace, Chelsea. Uh, one one. Interesting. I'm going. I'm going three 0 Chelsea, man. Uh, Burnley, Newcastle. No no. One one. West Ham, Leicester. Uh, one 0 West Ham. 1-1. One, one. Uh, Spurs United. 1-1. Uh, one, one. I think we edge it 2-1. Sheffield United, Arsenal. Oh my God. 2-1 uh, Arsenal. I'm going to go... You know what? I'm going to go 3-0 Arsenal. And if they prove me wrong, never again. Uh, West Brom, Southampton. Interesting. 1-0 West Brom. Interesting. I'm going to go 2 1 West Brom. Brighton, Everton to f- cap up the game week. 1 uh, 1. Um, I'm not going to lie, I might have to agree with you, you know. So, yeah, 1 1. Cool. Well, as always, we'll assess where we both are next week and we'll see if you've closed that gap any further or if I have extended my lead. Find out on next week's episode of Top Vin's Pod. Right, listeners, questions. Have we got any, yeah? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Cheers for that. Let's see what the people want to know this week. So we've got question from FG. Thoughts on Aubameyang? Has he passed his best? <laughs> yeah, he's done out here still. Aubameyang <laughs> is done out here. What's he done all season? I mean, t- okay, let me not lie to you. Yeah? Has he passed his best? He's passed his best, yeah. Unfortunately, well, unfortunately for Arsenal fans. But having said that, he could still go abroad to another league and do similar things to what he was doing in the Prem in his peak obviously you could argue so does that mean he's past his best I would argue yes because bro if you're only now able to do it when you go to another worse league you'd be like no do you get what I mean so uh, yeah short answer to that yeah he's done out here still I think it's, it's while he's probably not at his best any longer like he's not at peak Aubameyang levels which is probably that season he joined Arsenal, that was his last peak, peak, peak season. 
you have to say that he's not helped at the moment. He's been playing, well, today he played wide right. Um, he's been playing wide left. Like, yes, he's played there across his career. But if you look at his career trajectory, he peaked when he was the central striker for Dortmund, a team that liked to counter-press, play on the break and like to attack spacing behind. Arsenal aren't playing that way. So they're not playing to his strengths. Like, yeah. it's hard for him to do well when you're playing against your strengths. And obviously he's the club captain, which he shouldn't be, to be honest. He doesn't strike me as a captain, doesn't not give all. off captain vibes. But, so he's almost all. always going to be in the team or has to be in and around the team. But he just looks lazy on the pitch. He, like, I'm, and don't get me wrong, you don't have to be bursting a gut all the time when you're on the football pitch. But he just looks like he doesn't care. And... To be fair to him, I don't think he ha- he should have to care. Like he, like the new, the new contract that he got, where he got the bag. That's for all the times he saved Arsenal's skin since he's been here. Because mm. without his goal since he's been here, Arsenal would be in the absolute mud. So that's why you paid him. What is it, three hundred k or whatever it may be? Three fifty, isn't it? Not not because you're expecting him to still give you that same output now. Yeah. Like you're you're paying him for all the years of servitude because he could have literally. I mean, not everyone want would have needed him at the time, but at the time he wanted to leave Dortmund, he could have gone to any big club and just won a couple of trophies. But now he's just resigned himself to a couple of FA Cups and and laughing jokes. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So yeah, he he, while he is past his best, um, he's not being helped at the moment. So. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Say no more. Well, thanks for the question, FG. Then second question came in from M underscore Fernandez underscore. Thoughts on Martinelli as a future number nine? We converted Van Persie and Henri from wingers to strikers. I mean, it didn't quite work out with Walcott, but what are your thoughts on Gabriel Martinelli? Let me know. I'm not even going to sit here in front. I honestly don't think I've seen this guy play that much. I think the only thing that I can actually think I've seen this guy do is that goal against Chelsea where he sat down and got a Kante, like, was it last season or two seasons ago? That's no, literally... Ago, yeah. yeah, that's literally... And then, as far as I'm aware, he got injured after that and I literally haven't seen him play since then. Yeah, so, I mean, I've seen Martinelli play quite... Well, not, I won't say quite a bit, but I've seen him play a bit and for me, he's a good player. Like, don't get me wrong, like there is the Arsenal tax that because they're overhyping him, you have to sort of (laughs) rein it in a little bit, but he is a really good player. I think, again, he's suffering under Arteta and to a certain degree, Emery, where he's quite a limited player. Like he's not really a winger, but to get him in the team, to accommodate having your um, Aubameyangs, having your Lacazettes, where because they're big names, even if they're not performing, they need to be in the team he's been shoved, shoved out wide and he's a very direct player, which is good when you're playing as a sort of an advanced forward looking to get in behind because you're, there's only one way you're going, going forward. But when you're playing out wide, that directness doesn't necessarily help or benefit the team, which is why I think Arteta doesn't seem to fancy him because he only wants to play him out wide. I don't think he sees him as a number nine in the way he wants to play football. So whenever he plays out wide, he doesn't necessarily look as good. 
to Arteta because I mean he he, sh- he shows um, flashes for me, but um, yeah, that's why I don't think he's playing as much now. But then to answer the question, I do see him as a future number nine, and I do think it might not be at Arsenal. Like um, this reminds me kind of a bit of like the Kalechi situation where, you know, when Kalechi came in at City and he was scoring goals and looking good and people saying, oh, yeah, they got a future star on their hands, but he sort of just fell to the wayside and he's only sort of now refinding himself and reinventing himself like a step or step or two below Man City. And I think maybe Martinelli has to do that because I don't see... Uh, I don't see the team trusting him to start him as a number nine, although I think he has the talent to be able to do that. So I I do think that is his future. I just don't think he'll be at Arsenal. Not not as a central number nine anyway. Yeah, say no more. That is it. (laughs) Well, thank you. And thank you, um, underscore Fernandez, underscore, 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 for your question as well. Guys, please do keep your questions coming in. We do enjoy finding out what you want to know from us or the types of questions that do come out is funny because you can always you can usually always tell who someone supports when they ask a question like for example if I didn't know M Fernandez I would know 100% he's an Arsenal fan because only an Arsenal fan will ask would you think about Martinelli for example but yeah guys please do keep your questions coming in and uh, we will give you our thoughts on the Top Bins pod right Join the discussion. So we put out this week for the Player, Manager and Goal of the Month Awards for the month of March. So if you guys let us know on the images that we've hit on social media, so Instagram, Twitter and all that, let us know who you think deserves those awards. And obviously we will send them a bottle of champagne. Obviously that's not going to happen, but obviously it's part of the discussion, isn't it? Anyway, this week we want to know what where obviously with Sergio Aguero haven't been announced I think it was the week before last now or last week should I say haven't it been announced that he will be leaving Manchester City at the end of the season obviously leaving as their record goal scorer a Premier League legend a Premier League great we want to know where you think Sergio Aguero ranks in Premier League strikers of all time now obviously there have been some fantastic strikers over the years obviously you've got Adam Shearer, who is the Premier League's record goal scorer, period. Uh, Thierry Henry, um, Wayne Rooney, Didier Drogba. There have been some crazy, crazy strikers in the, that the Premier League have seen. Where does Sergio Aguero rank for you? Uncle Tess, where does Sergio Aguero rank for you? I think without getting into the nitty gritty of the exact number, I think top five is a pretty much a guarantee. I think when you look at um, goal record, ticks the box. Clutch moments, Aguero, best, best, probably arguably the best Premier League moment in history. When you think longevity, ticks that box as well. The only box you could say he's not ticked per se is the fact that He's not got as many golden boots under his name. But, I mean, the amount of times he's been injured, but he's still banging in goals left, right and centre. You could say that that sort of can be let off. But to me, it's one of those where I think we've taken him for granted a little bit. 
But when you take a step back and look objectively, he has been one of the best five Premier Leagues ever graces. One of the best five strikers ever graced the Premier League. Yeah. Um, I find the Aguero one very interesting because I can appreciate he is a good striker and whatnot, but he's just not really been my type of player, if that makes sense. Um so, but if I'm looking objectively, yeah, hands down, obviously he's done great. The thing that annoys me is everyone's talking, oh, uh, Man City's greatest goal scorer. I mean, it, it doesn't take that hard to break any Man City. It's not that hard to break any Man City record at the moment. That doesn't take away from the fact that he's obviously scored a few goals there. Cool. But as of right now, I mean, Man City don't have history. So f- for people to be saying, oh, yeah, Man City's leading goal scorer, blah, blah, blah. I mean, look, come on. But ultimately, yeah, top five. I'd probably have to. I'd probably. I'd have to agree with. Yeah, if I'm looking objectively, what he's done, as you said, clutch moments. Obviously, that 2012 season with the uh, Martin Tyler screaming the um, Aguero. What, I mean, that he's gonna. Go, that's gonna go down as, as you said, one of the maddest, maddest moments of Premier League history. Um, some of the goals he scored. I remember one season. To be fair, Adam as my captain in fantasy football. And the guy got five goals against, I think it was Newcastle or something. I can't remember yeah, what the score was. Yeah. But they battered Newcastle and he scored all five of their goals. Um, and so, yeah, Aguero's got moments. I remember I remember his debut when he came onto the scene. I think he got two goals and an assist. I feel like the assist was actually quite neat as well. Somehow backheeled it on the byline or something, back for David Silva or something. And I just remember seeing this kid go up on the scene them times when he was running number 16. Um, and... He was obviously new to the Premier League, but he still set it a lot from the second he came. So, yeah, I mean, there's been some good Aguero, Aguero moments. Um, when I think about it, over the years, I feel like he's put on weight. He's just got, like, a lot stockier. But, I mean, hey, for the, the way he plays his game anyway, it didn't really matter too much. But, yeah, as you said, he got marred by a few injuries towards the latter, latter years or his latter type spell at um, Man City, which hasn't helped. So yeah, top five definitely. I would probably, yeah, top five probably fourth or fifth for me. Probably fourth or fifth for me with with the likes of Henri Rooney, Didier Jogba definitely being on top of him. Um, I can't really sit here and pretend that Alan Shearer was. I was really watching Alan Shearer like that. Um, but for me, Rooney, Jogba, and Henri are are definitely are definitely above him. Um, and so, yeah, I can't, I can't really think off the top of my head right now in terms of anybody else that might displace him. But yeah, so let's see. At least a fourth for me. Right, so let us know, guys. Obviously, as usual, we'll drop the visuals. Let us know where you think Sergio Aguero ranks in terms of Premier League strikers of all time. If you think Sergio Aguero is number one, let us know and maybe explain why. Um, if you think he's outside of the top five and there's five other strikers at least that were better than him, then again, let us know. Either way, let us know where you think he ranks. Uncle Tass and I both agree top five. Uh, I've said probably fourth or fifth. Um, but yeah, let us know, guys. Um, Spadey's trivia, final segment. Right, you ready for this? Yeah, go. I feel like you should you should be energized. I feel like you should be energized. So let's let's go. Right, we alluded to it earlier. We discussed it. Well, you uh, I alluded to it, and you discussed it in a bit more in regards to Spurs just not being able to hold on to leads. 
So that's uh, as in winning positions, not Leeds United. Um, so to put that into figures, Spurs have now dropped 15 points this season from winning positions. They've only been two, or there are only two teams in the league at the moment who have dropped more points from winning positions. I want to know which two teams they are. Um, ooh. Is one of them... Is it possibly... Um, oh, that's a tough one. I want to say maybe Southampton and Leeds. Southampton is one of them. Leeds isn't. So Southampton... Maybe, maybe, maybe... Not not Aston Villa, sorry. Maybe Everton? No. Hmm. I'm stumped. Hit me. Give give it give it one more guess. I feel like you can get this. Think um think um what what can I what can I give you as a think if I could think, I would have been for <laughs> shut up, yeah. Um, okay, think just think South Coast. That's what I'm. I mean, that will give it to you. But Brighton, yeah. Southampton and Brighton. Southampton and Brighton have lost more points from winning positions than Spurs this season. I don't actually know the number. I just know that they've lost more points. But hey, I mean, spooky season. So that's one out of two there. At least you got one of them. So uh, that's a start. I mean, recent week's performances haven't been haven't been too great. So uh, we'll see how you get on next week. So thank you for uh, participating in Spanish trivia. And guys and girls that are listening, if you got that, congratulations. I'll be back next week with another question. Right. That here ends the episode. It's been another installment of the Top Bins pod. Top talking points, top analysis, top goals. We all know what that is already. But Uncle Tass, I believe you might have a few words to say to the people for some departing words. Yeah, if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you rate, review and subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend and help spread the word of the Top Bins pod. What he said. Well, guys, as always, I've been your host, Spaney, joined by my co-host. Uncle Tass. This has been the Top Bins. Keep it Top Bins until next week when we come back to your airwaves with another episode. Peace. Peace.